going to start with a song called Are We Running Out of Love? You feel good when you feel love. You do good when you do love. This next one is a song that was written by John Lennon, but uh, our arrangement is based on Regina Spector's arrangement, which we love dearly. Mm -hmm. 
one sec. Do we have piano in the mains? Finally, we're going to finish our gathering music with a song that John Denver performed with the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band at the Austin City Limits show. And unfortunately, before they had a chance to record it in the studio with John Denver, that was right around the time of his death. And so um, there is a live performance on YouTube that we dearly love called And So It Goes. One, two, three, four. <laughs> 
invite you to rise and body your spirit for the call to worship.
When strangers meet, endless possibilities emerge. New experiences, new ways of understanding, new ways of taking action. When strangers meet, each pays special attention to the other. Each is called to serve something larger than themselves. Today, this morning, let's light our chalice for openness. For willingness to grow. For rich curiosity. And for common purpose. Come, let us worship together. In our opening song, the words for the chorus will be up on the wall in front of you. If you are looking at the turquoise hymnal number 1014, just be aware that this song has new words. It used to be standing on the side of love, but the composer, Jason Shelton, changed it to answering the call of love to be more inclusive. So I'll sing the verses. You can jump in on the chorus, and the words will be up there when you need them. Technical difficulties. Two, three, four.
You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Unitarian. I'm Anna Watkins, and I am pleased to include you in this multi-generational service. We're so glad you're here, whether you're in the sanctuary or the fellowship hall. We enjoy having children with us and have special spaces for them. An activity table at the back of the sanctuary, the family room across the hall where the service is live streamed, and the new playground at the front of the sanctuary. I'll bet some of you adults would like to get up here and try this. Okay, I just noticed they added some cool cushions there. I, I could, you know, meditate on those. Anyway, we are happy to welcome Christine Robinson back into the pulpit. We originally had the Reverend Amanda Poppy scheduled today, but she unfortunately had to cancel her trip to New Mexico due to a family emergency. We're fortunate that Christine was ready to step in for us today. As many of you know, Christine was the senior minister at First Unitarian from 1988 to 2017. After she retired, the congregation voted to call her Minister Emerita. We're lucky to be able to have her around and get to hear her from, uh, from time to time in the pulpit. So thanks for being here, Christine. story for you today. <laughs> it's a tale of love. There once was a kind and compassionate rabbi who was in the habit of disappearing every week just on the eve of Sabbath. Every week the congregation wondered where he had gone for he was nowhere to be found. This rabbi was so well loved by his congregation that not one of them ever suspected anything ill of him. In fact, just the opposite. Perhaps he is secretly meeting with the Almighty, they speculated, or ascending the mountain like Moses before him. This disappearing went on every week without end, and the longer it went on, the more intensely they were interested in just where the rabbi went and what he might be doing. However, no one would ask him. If he were truly meeting with the one above, it seemed somehow disrespectful to question him about it. It was generally felt that one day he would tell them if it was theirs to know. But one day, their curiosity simply got the better of them, and they felt they just had to know. So together, they chose one man from the congregation to secretly follow the rabbi. The man waited outside the rabbi's house, hidden, and almost didn't notice when a man in peasant's clothing left the house. Ah, it was the rabbi. The man almost didn't recognize him in the worn-out 
peasant's clothing. The man from the congregation kept well back and followed the rabbi in peasant's clothing down the street and toward the poorer part of town where the winding streets were narrower, narrower and dirtier. He began to wonder just what the rabbi was up to. Maybe you couldn't meet with the Almighty wearing fine clothing? At last, the rabbi entered a poor cottage and didn't emerge. The man found the courage to creep nearer and peek through a cracked window. And what he saw was shocking. Shocking. He found his rabbi, disguised in peasant's clothing, helping an old, paralyzed, Gentile woman to clean her cottage and prepare a Sabbath meal. When the, when the man returned to the congregation, they asked him, tell us, tell us, what did you find? Where does he go every week? Does he ascend the holy mountain? No replied the man. He goes higher than that. Let's breathe now. You've been doing it all along, but you probably haven't thought of it. <laughs> Breathe, and if it works for you, maybe wiggle your toes a little bit. They were there all along. You probably haven't thought of them either. Hello, bodies that woke up this morning again. Hearts beating, moving oxygen to every last bit of us, sustaining our lives, and carried us into church. Hello, bodies that accrue so much during the week, and work, and news, and just life in general. On your next exhalation, I invite you to just breathe some of that stuff out. See if you can soften a bit. Go ahead and give your weight over to the chair. Let it do the work. And just be. However you are right now. Just be. And as we continue in two minutes of meditation, when your mind wanders, just gently bring it back. Bring your attention back to your breath.
Feel free to join in singing with us. up some prayers in our community. My pastoralist, I lift up the name of George Arianus, a member who sang in the choir for many years before developing some health issues. And George died this week, I'm sad to say. He was beloved. May light perpetual shine upon him. I lift up Bill Hughes Lewing, who's father has died after an illness. We pray for comfort for his family and for him. And may his father's passing be in peace. I lift up Amanda Poppy, our original guest speaker for today, and her family as they cope with a health emergency. May they get the care and support they need in this time. And I lift up the Reverend Dr. Sophia Betancourt, our newly elected president of our denomination, someone I deeply admire, a queer person of color and a wise theologian, as well as an effective leader. She preached here at First Unitarian several years ago when I was installed as senior minister. And so let us pray for her and for her family, for our denomination and for our work together. And I know you have your own lists, names of people and places in your heart. I invite you to call them to mind now and speak them aloud as the chime rings so that we can hold them with you. All of these we lift up to the great powers of healing, renewal, and celebration known by many names. 
And we acknowledge the unspoken prayers among us, some that are too tender or too private to share. We lift those up, prayers for others, prayers for each other, prayers for ourselves. And we pray for our world, our whole wide world, this planet and all of the creatures on it, all of us. And it's a lot, the all of it, the good and the bad. On this 73rd anniversary of Hiroshima, we understand the profound capacity that humans have for destruction, perhaps more than ever at this time in history, we understand. And we see the capacity for good. The capacity for good and for repair, for honoring our ultimate interdependence. These matter now more than ever. And so we pray for courage. We pray for the courage to live our values, to change what we can for the better, to heal what we can, and to make our lives a blessing upon others through our manner of being in this world. Amen. And peace be with you. Spirit 
Truth comes in small installments. Seldom does it break forth in fullness upon a darkened world. Revelation is not a once-for-all disclosure. It is the product of long, laborious, and often spurned discovery. It is found by philosophers, scientists, homemakers, and just anyone who lives a thoughtful life. Truths are ever building and built upon. As fallen leaves form new soil, truths of former seasons become the compost that sprouts the new growth. Truths make their way on an unmarked course through the wilderness of ancient error. Their encounter is with imposing authorities and the hobgoblins of distrust and fear. Dogmas of yesterday become the doubted notions of today. Revered orthodoxies of the past, the rejected fables of the present. We do well to cherish our meager wisdom and hopefully await a deeper understanding. For truth comes to earth in small installments. Good morning. It is great to be back in this pulpit with my beloved colleague and seeing you all, old faces and especially new ones. The church has thrived in six years. It is wonderful to see. We're having a very rich sermonic summer. This summer at First Unitarian focused on a variety of religious traditions. Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, more to come. So interesting. This week we're going to focus on ourselves and on who we are and how we fit in with the rest of the world's religious people. 
And when we have to explain that to ourselves and to others, we often call ourselves a liberal religion. And what in the world is that? Let me start by telling you what it's not. First of all, liberal religion is not liberal politics, although there is a considerable overlap of people and ideas. Politics and religion come from different branches of human thought. Political liberalism from the Enlightenment emphasis on the sovereignty of the individual, and religious liberalism from the religious reformation's leftmost wing, which emphasized the ability of ordinary human beings to find their own relationship with God, or later with truth, uh, and this is important, to test that understanding of their faith within a covenanted community. There's lots of places for overlap between religion, the political, religious, and religious liberalism, but most political liberals are not religious. Actually, there is a considerable strain of anti-religion in political religiousness. Furthermore, some religious liberals are politically conservative and some political liberals are religiously conservative. So for now, think about religious liberalism and political liberalism as two trees of different species, planted so closely together that their branches intermingle, but the intermingling is of distinctively shaped leaves which can be traced back to their origins on different trunks. Secondly, religious liberalism is not exclusive to Unitarian Universalists. There is a strain of religious of liberalism and conservatism in almost every faith group, almost every denomination, and even in almost every congregation. Judaism, for instance, ranges from the very conservative Hasidic congregations who wear the clothing, speak the language, and continue most of the social practices of the European Jewish community of two centuries ago. While Reformed Jews are proud of the ways that they have adapted their faith and their lifestyle to accord with scientific and social progress. They are just as much religious liberals as we are. There are religiously liberal Southern Baptists as well as the more famously conservative ones. You might have noted in the news earlier this summer that the conservative Baptists kicked out a bunch of liberal Southern Baptists over the issue of women in ministry shocking practice, unheard of in Jesus' day. There's a whole pack of proudly liberal Southern Baptists who note that Jesus respected women and insisted on including them among his followers, and therefore they should not be excluded from ministry. They lost this round, but they'll be back. We're a denomination of predominantly religious liberals, and our congregations as a whole pledge themselves to promote religious liberalism, but we don't enforce any particular set of beliefs or values on our members, and I've met and tangled with a few religiously conservative UUs in my life, and more than a few religious liberals who had one or two very conservative ideas, like only classical music can be worshipful, or that language shouldn't change even when it's resulting in one group oppressing another. So, Unitarian Universalism is a religiously liberal denomination 
We're not the only religious liberals in the world, and all of us have our own little conservative nooks and crannies, right? <laughs> so, exactly what is religious liberalism? And now we have a problem. Because usually when people, especially people from the Christian tradition, ask about religion, what they want to know is what those people believe. And I hope you're aware of the fact that we UUs decided from the get-go that what you believe is between you and God, or later, between you and your own heart and mind. We don't have a set of beliefs that everyone subscribes to, and we can't ask, answer that question, what do you use believe? And most religious people who are not Christians, Buddhists and Hindus and so on, are also non-creedal, but they describe their faith by their practices rather than their beliefs. Muslims pray at certain times of day, fast during Ramadan, dress modestly, and try and go on a pilgrimage to Mecca, right? We heard that a few weeks back. Well, religious liberalism is actually just as short on universal religious practices as we are on required beliefs. Just notice, nobody has tried to tell you how you have to pray or when. Nobody's told you you have to tithe or adhere to a dress code or even come to church. Though here you are anyway. We're so glad. Religious practices may be suggested and explored, but they're not required. So how do we explain ourselves? To ourselves and others, what liberal religion is and how it's different from conservative religion. Well, here's one way, easy to remember, and that is to focus on the words liberal and conservative themselves. The word conservative means someone who conserves, and to conserve is to save, and with overtones of saving something that's very precious. So we may save our pennies, but we conserve species and historic buildings in conservation efforts. Conservative religion looks primarily to save the insights, beliefs, governing structures, and rules developed in the past. Conservative religion looks to old revelations, venerable scriptures, inspired prophets of a long time ago, very often also the social forms and mores in place during those days, which were presumably because they produced the truth more holy than today. And there seems to be something about focusing on the past that molds people's thinking towards certainty about what is right and wrong and a certain lack of intermediate places between good and evil. That always seems to go along with that conservative faith. So there's a conservative strain in every religious faith but groups like Orthodox Judaism, Pennsylvania Dutch communities, Latter-day Saints, large swaths of Catholicism and Protestantism, but not all, are conservatively religious. Are we Westerners tend to label, label conservative Islam as radical and extremist out of our own fears and ignorance, but there is certainly a plain old conservative Islam which is no more dangerous than conservative Christianity or Judaism. So there is a lot of comfort and a lot of authority in doing things the way they've always been done and thinking the thoughts that have always been thought. It does make changing conditions like global warming or changing knowledge of scientific developments very challenging, but it works, it works for most of the world's people. 
To be conservative is to look to the past. The word liberal, on the other hand, descends from the name of a Roman god, Liber, better known in his Greek incarnation as Dionysus. Liber slash Dionysus was the god of the vine, of fertility, of wine, of generosity. To worship Liber is to, of necessity, notice that nothing is all good or all bad. Wine, after all, brings both a pleasant freedom from care and the ravages of drunkenness. And if the farmer wants good, a good crop of grapes next year, he must severely prune the vines right down to a single dead-looking branch to spend the winter looking like it will never be alive again. In the faith that comes spring, that branch will experience an almost miraculous exuberance of growth. Those who look to Lieber for inspiration notice that life often brings suffering which turns in the end to growth and new life. In Lieber's incarnation as Dionysus, he was also the god, if not, of, uh, not only of fertility and growth in wine, for good or for ill, but of the, the god of artistic creation and mental inspiration. The Greek tragedies we think of as one jewel in the crown of human creativity were written to Dionysus, and the great theaters they were performed in were built to him. So even today, there are uses of the word liberal, which mean generous, free-spirited, accepting of change and gray areas and ambiguity. We religious liberals embrace these meanings of the word. And when we ask ourselves where to find truth, we think forward, not back, trusting human creativity and inspiration and honoring the growth of the present more than the icons of the past. In other words, we trust you, you amazing human beings, to have a big enough heart to love, a keen enough curiosity to wonder, and an open enough mind to deal with all that is new. Here's another way to think about religious liberalism. It comes from work that's being done to help you, currently, to help UU congregations center their work together. It's going on at the national denominational level and it's writing a rewriting of Article Two of our denominational bylaws. Now, almost every organization that has bylaws has an Article Two, and it almost always consists of the basic purposes of the organization, usually a few carefully crafted sloganistic lines. The UUA's Article 2 is about the length of a Greek tragedy and almost as hard to change. And this years-long process of proposing this change is coming up on its last year this year and if voted in by the delegates of the General Assembly in June of 2024 is going to be even wordier than its predecessor. We liberals, we love our words. At its center, however, is a very concise set of values that congregations will agree to promote and live by. Not individual UUs, notice, that would be too much like a creed, we don't go there, but the UUA and its congregations, like ours, which belong to it. 
So these are the seven words with the flower in the center of your order of service. You've been wondering what that cover was all about. That's what it is. This image has a chalice at the center with the word love superimposed on the flame. Surrounding the chalice of love in a circle enclosed in swirls like petals of a flower are the words justice, generosity, pluralism, equity, interdependence, and transcendence. The commission that proposes this change believes that the six values in the petals are co-equal and equally necessary and that they all one way or another flow out of love. These values complement, inform, limit, and strengthen each other. They are purposefully not in any order of importance. And I was quite taken with these words as a way to define religious liberalism and distinguish us from religious conservatives. They give us an answer for when people ask, what do you believe? That unanswerable question, what do you believe? If this passes its last test, here's a new answer. Well, we believe many things, but here are some of the things that we value and work for in our lives and our congregations and our world. Justice, pluralism, equity, generosity, love, interdependence, and transformation. And why did I put them in that order? Well, it's because I remember this new list of words with the aid of the phrase, justice, peglet. <laughs> that is to say, justice, uh, pluralism, equity, generosity, love, interdependence, and transformation. <laughs> Hopefully, a better way to remember these words will emerge. Uh, almost certainly from the religious educators who are much better than that at the rest of us. And, um, but that's the best I've heard so far. Justice Peglet. I'm, uh, I'm gonna talk about a little bit about each of these values. And as I do, I invite you to ask yourselves, are these your values? And how do they live in your lives? So there are lots of definitions of the word justice. The one I like best comes from the African-American social philosopher Cornell West. Justice, he says, is what love looks like in public. Justice is what love looks like in public. That is to say, the structures of justice in our society are what help us create in society what love helps us create in our families and our personal relationships. A place where everyone has a chance to thrive, is treated fairly, and can share the fruits of human society. Now, everybody will tell you that they value justice. You can't be an American if you don't value justice. But justice is a word that's, value, that's uh, defined very differently by different people. Conservative brand of justice is measured by adherence to the structures and laws of the past uh, and is therefore of necessity focused on the people who were in power in the past. Whereas liberal justice is measured by fairness, opportunity, and equality among the people who are present in the present. Liberal religious justice is a spiritual value which works to extend love out into the world. The P in Peglet stands for pluralism. 
positive value that we place on all kinds of human diversity. And you will probably note that not all human beings place a positive value on human diversity. We honor this value by the habits that we create, which help us to encounter human difference with love and with curiosity, with the expectation that we will learn something by encountering people who are different than we are. Specifically for religious communities, we find ways to worship together and teach our children and form community without the expectation that we all will be believing the same things, even about these values. Our valuing of diverse beliefs is one of the things that distinguishes us from most human faith communities. Embracing pluralism is hard work requires paying attention to the needs and desires of people who are different from us and who therefore we may not know or understand. New pronouns, different holidays and holy days, different styles of music, moving aside to make place for a newcomer. Yikes, hard work. Pluralism is a hard value. It's costly, challenging, and satisfying requires the generosity and openness and valuing of growth that comes to us in our liberal heritage. E is for equity, the social condition in which all people can thrive and not just the same old people either, but all the people who are present. Wanting everybody to thrive and not just people like me is the spiritual value that flows out of love. Generosity comes from the spiritual qualities of, gra of gratitude and hopefulness that bids us to share our time and our talent and our resources with and for others in our interdependent web. Since we understand ourselves as fundamentally bound together in the web of life and relationship, of course, we share. Love is at the center of the circle. It's the power that holds us together in community and keeps us accountable to all of these shared values. Interdependence means that we are not alone, but are part of intersecting webs, as large as the Earth's ecosystem, as small as our own individual relationships. Valuing interdependence means that we see ourselves and others not fundamentally as other individuals, but fundamentally in terms of relationships. Our world is one world, as the hymn goes, and what touches one affects us all. And transformation, valuing transformation, that is to say, being open to change and willing to adapt our faith and our actions to new wisdom, comes out of the liberal hunch that truth is not a static thing of the past, but a growing body, not a book or a tradition or a hierarchy, as conservatives believe. This relates back to our understanding of truth, how it comes to earth in small installments, how it is the product of long, laborious, and often spurned discovery, as the author of the reading said. Conservative religion is suspicious of change and new insights, for they by necessity challenge the belief that the truth of everything was written down a long time ago. Liberal religion values the ways that we can change in our lives. 
and I hope as I went through these values, they resonated with you. They are anything but new, of course. We religious liberals, children of the Reformation, have been trying to live them for 400 years. And ooh, the things we've learned and the skills we have gained in applying these values into our lives and our congregations. We've learned that we can be firm in our beliefs and passionate about living them without forcing those around us to believe as we do. We've discovered that the loan to center must be permitted, lest new truth be buried in complacency or old inequities perpetuated. We've discovered that discussion in community can bring new insight and spiritual growth, and that the freer participants are to bring their whole selves to the table, the better off we all are. We've discovered that our society is systematically unjust to some groups of people and that that systemic oppression must be actively resisted so that everyone can thrive. We've enjoyed the blessings of knowing ourselves to be a part of many intersecting circles, ecosystems, families, interest groups, congregations. And we've learned to change as the times change, as knowledge change and needs change, and to grow together in that change. And that makes this enterprise important, not only because it enriches our lives, but because we stand as a living model of how people with different visions and different beliefs can cope with the pluralism that exists in our world and to work together to see that more people thrive among us. Our society needs us, needs our vision, our history, the tools that we've forged and the lessons we've learned in 400 years of being together in freedom. So maybe go forth into the next decades remembering this and enjoying it and being strong not only for ourselves but for our ever-changing world. As Christine has reminded us, our society needs us, our church needs us, and we can help. This is the time in our service when we have the privilege to make financial gifts for our church and our community. Remember when you got your very first book, your very own book that was yours to keep and read? Some of you may still have those first books. I see some heads nodding. <laughs> we can share that wonderful experience by contributing to our Change for the Future partner, Libros for Kids. Libros for Kids partners with Dolly Parton's Imagination Library to mail free books each month to children in Bernalillo and Valencia counties. With a free book each month from birth to age five, all children receive their own library of 60 books, including 12 bilingual titles. You can earmark your donation for Libros for Kids by using the envelope on the back of the chair, writing CFF on the envelope. We will now gratefully accept the offering.
Give a little bit, give a little bit of your love to me. I'll give a little bit, I'll give a little bit of my love to you. There's so much that we need to share, so send a smile. And so you care. I'll give a little bit. I'll give a little bit of my life for you. So give a little bit. Give a little bit of your time to me. See the man with the lonely eyes, or oh, take his hand, you'll be surprised. Give a little bit, give a little bit of your love to me. Give a little bit, I give a little bit of my life to you. Now's the time that we need to share, so find yourself. We're on our way back home. Oh, going home. Don't you need, don't you need to feel at home? Oh, yeah, we gotta see. Now, Harry, now it's on. Hey, thank you everybody for your generosity on behalf of the congregation. Woo, this is a heavy one. And on behalf of Libros for Kids, our Change for the Future partner, may these gifts be for blessing. May they pour into good works. Thank you, ushers. All right, we have some invitations to share with you. Oh yes, is the red mic on? Nope, button on the side. 
Testing. Okay. We're new at this. <laughs> We're not. <laughs> the mics are new. Are you new? Are you <laughs> new to First Unitarian or uh, Unitarian Universalism? Plan to stay after the 11 a.m. service next Sunday for the very first Histories and Mysteries Tour led by our Minister Emerita the Reverend Christine Robinson, and our Director of Congregational Life, Lara Magnuson. Why was the number seven important in the design of our sanctuary? Where do I find the bookkeeper in the church office? What's with the darker area on the social hall floor? Find out these answers and more on this 45-minute tour of our campus. Space is limited to 15 people, but more tours will be offered in the future. Meet at 12.15 p.m. in the sanctuary to get started, and that is next Sunday, right? Next Sunday, right. Also, next Sunday, uh, would you like to hear more about this year's UUA General Assembly? Christine mentioned the one that's coming next year, but we've just had one. And you're invited to join some of the First Unitarian delegates who attended in person and online. They're going to share a report and a discussion about the business of that General Assembly this year. They'll discuss proposed changes to Article 2, the Greek tragedy length section of our bylaws, <laughs> but a beautiful section of our bylaws. They'll discuss, uh, they'll talk about the election of our new UUA president, the one I mentioned, Reverend Dr. Sophia Betancourt, and more. And that'll happen next Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Arnold Room. Inviting all hummers, strummers, and drummers. Strummers? Strummers, hummers, strummers, drummers. All the hummers. To join our string band, which will be reconvening in the memorial room or the courtyard uh, after the 11 o'clock service next Sunday. And many of these things are also printed in your order of service. You can look back at that for more details. Uh, uh, finally, just a couple more. Today there is a coffee with the board uh, option for you. So a member of the board will be in the social hall during coffee hour. They are available to chat, uh, to hear your questions or ideas, um, and we invite you to meet with them. Okay, great. And if you want to think or converse more about today's topic, take your order of service with you for reference and ask yourself how you live the seven values Christine just spoke about. I invite everyone now to rise in body or in spirit and greet each other with a gesture of peace. We like to do it with one hand over our hearts, any hands, and the other one extended toward each other. Peace. Peace to all. And in on our closing song, which is a beautiful song by James Taylor. We'll have you come in on the chorus. The words will pop up when it's time for you to sing. Shower the people you love with love. You can play the game. You can act out the part. Though you know it wasn't written for you. Tell me how can you stand there with your broken heart. Afraid of playing the fool. One thing can lead to another. It doesn't take any sacrifice. Oh, father and mother, 
sister and brother, if it feels nice, don't think twice. Just shower the people you love with love. Show them the way that you feel. Things are going to work out fine if you only will. Do what I say and shower the What you plan to do with your foolish pride when you're all by yourself alone? Won't you tell somebody the way that you feel? You can feel things beginning to ease. I think it's true what they say about the squeaky wheel. Always get in the grease. Better to shower. Liberal religion trusts you. Trusts you to have a big enough heart to love, a keen enough curiosity to wonder, a generous enough spirit to share the good in your lives with others, and a mind open enough to take in all that is new.
go home and practice this grand faith and go in peace. mistakes no we're not perfect yet maybe God made us all from an accident the question I ask at the end of my days what did I give what will I take?